This is Transistor.fm. Now, there's probably also some people who've got like a, a fetish about those things, right? Like that's the ASMR thing, right? Isn't that more whispering? Yeah, but there must be somebody out there that just loves hearing a good swallow. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see if I can get... (laughs) See if you can get your composition. Get through through this. All right. right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your Sass. This is the behind... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like starting to sweat. <laughs> it's very humid today. Uh, oh, I think we're all losing it. Yeah. We're all losing it. This is it. This is what people tune in for. Isolation is setting in. Yeah, that's right. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your Sass. This is the behind the scenes story of. <laughs> <laughs> How come that part tr- triggers you? You just. I don't know. <laughs> That's when you, that's just when you start thinking about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like you, you're like able to stay uh, focused, and then your focus God. only lasts until then. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, wrap it up. Oh, put boy. your put your your audio in the folder. We're done. <laughs> We're, that's, that's ten minutes of trying to get started. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm good now. Okay. <clears throat> Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. Oh, we did it. All right. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. <laughs> uh, we, we just had a serious case of the giggles right, right before this. Man. Did that ever happen to you when you were like in school? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. When, oh. It's because when you know you can't laugh, it just makes yeah. laughing. I, I mean, my two youngest boys, they share a room and they get this all the time. We're like, okay, be quiet. No more laughing. And you can just tell oh, yeah, they, they were... can't control it. Certain classmates would just just set each other off. But there's also something so great about that feeling of just getting into one of those those cycles of you can't get out of the laughter right it's i think there's also part of us subconsciously that doesn't want to you know that's why they have uh laugh therapy that's is that the thing oh yeah uh-huh. so the, people just get in groups and start just start laughing really oh uh-huh. like nothing is funny but they just get into it and it's just the the fact that everybody in the circle is laughing yeah it's like wow it's like yeah it's like uh i think it's therapy for like depression and stuff like that that would be that would be a good podcast laugh with us yeah or it's just you, you just, you're just laughing and then the, you see if you can get the listeners to laugh and if, if it's contagious oh yeah <laughs> I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely like, I don't know if I full out like, uh, 
guffawed. Is that a word? I, I don't know if I full out like laughed out loud, but I've definitely chuckled at podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's even worse if you're on an airplane or something where you you know you can't, but then you have to contain it. You know, it almost gets right. worse then. Just look around and see if anyone's looking at you. Yeah. Funny. Well, the plan was for us to have a quick episode this uh this Yeah, we just wasted 10 minutes yeah, trying to start it. Yeah, we were we were just laughing like a couple school kids. Um but felt good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we we were able to get some of that out. It, it we need those the, yeah, those cathartic moments. What I wanted to talk to you about quickly is this idea of competition. Uh-huh. And especially uh I know we've talked about this before, but this idea of in software and in tech, often in tech, you'll hear from somebody that says, oh, this person just stole my idea. Now, actually, before we get too much further, have you ever had that feeling of that someone had stolen your idea? I don't think so, no. Okay. But but I, I mean, I, there's there certainly have been times in the past, you know, 10, 15 years where similar things will come out almost at the same time. Yeah. Yes. And I think in some, I mean, there's this one competitor that launched after us that copied our pricing model almost exactly, uh, including the idea of having multiple podcasts for one price, which was Mm -hmm. something I think we were, I mean, maybe we weren't the first. That's the thing. This is what you tell yourself. Right. But we did. That's the thing. Maybe we weren't the first, but we didn't model that after anyone. Mm Mm-hmm. We didn't model that after anyone. Also, so sorry, this competitor launched after us. They chose the exact pricing model, including like the the per account download limits that we'd talked about publicly on this podcast and figured out. You know, even we have kind of used some of this language. Uh, also, we had somebody uh, message me directly in the back channel saying they had talked to another competitor uh, who had said, Oh, those guys at Transistor just copy everything we do. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And we had never actually used their system. I've literally never logged in. Yeah, it. never logged into it, never seen it. And I, I don't know if this person knows, but like uh, most of the the patterns, uh, not most, but a lot of the patterns that we implemented in our system were patterns you'd built before <laughs> in the podcast system you built right. the first time. Yeah. So... Not the podcast system, the podcast web app that you'd built the first time. Right. And so it was it was kind of funny, like, okay, but there's no way we stole those patterns from that person because we've never logged in. We've, you know, most of these patterns are just extensions of what John has already built before. Yeah, it was just I was that was my familiarity with the the, the domain itself of podcasting. And I just kind of did what I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yeah, so I think this gets talked about a lot. And one reason this came up for me again is Justin Mitchell, who's in uh, Mega Maker, had this crazy thing happen to him where he posted in the our Slack. He said, "I think somebody's ripping me off because he had just released this Chrome extension, and then Al uh, O W on Twitter, who's quite popular, a lot of people follow him." had launched almost the identical thing. And it, and as Justin is going through, like he could see Al's um, 
source code and he's going through the source code. He's like, man, the naming conventions are almost identical. The, uh, what else? Let's the, yeah. So the code is very similar. The SVG file we are used for our settings icon is the exact same SVG. There's all of these like crazy comparisons that some of the copy writing was the same, but as he investigated this more and more, he realized uh, because uh, Owen, A.W., had good documentation on his side. And it turns out they just had the same idea at the same <laughs> time and just implemented it very similarly. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's they, they, probably, they probably learned some things maybe from similar tutorials that sort of had similar naming conventions or I, I it's like it's such a coincidence that's a, well this is the thing and justin's is called next up and owens is called up next <laughs> and they yeah they probably copied the svg icon code from the same website of svg icons yeah yeah man so and i've posted this link in the show notes because it, it, it's it's interesting to go through the whole thing but what I love is that here is an example of somebody initially posting on Twitter and saying, hey, Owen, are you copying me? And kind of calling him out publicly. But as they dug into it going, oh, wait a second, it doesn't look like there's any foul play here. But how many times has there been a Twitter witch hunt where someone announces publicly, hey, this person is ripping me off. This person copied my idea. And everybody immediately assumes well that you know this comedian stole stole my joke that's that's uh-huh. another common one and i think some of this discussion it assumes oh what do they call this there's actually a name for this oh the heroic theory of invention and discovery so this is the hypothesis that authors of inventions and scientific discoveries are unique heroic individuals. I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. Great scientists mm-hmm. are geniuses. And so the idea being, and this is a very North American idea that, you know, we, we are all each brilliant, unique snowflakes and that we come up with ideas in our brilliant brains that no one has ever thought of. And then we, you know, release those into the world. And then we have then ownership over those concepts, ideas, right. or whatever. As if you're just this, this magician, you're sitting down willing this idea into being. Yes. Maybe not, maybe magician, like a god, really, is right. you're willing this this thing into existence that has never existed right. before. But, right, but it's, yeah, that seems a bit unlikely. <laughs> well, a bit unlikely, but it's odd in tech how much this comes up, like how much I see folks saying somebody ripped off my idea and even seeing it in myself, how sometimes, you know, when that competitor came out, I was like, those dirty rats, you know, they stole our idea. And I I thought it would be interesting for us to dig into that a little bit. Like even that, like me, uh, using that kind of language, like those dirty son of a gun, yeah. yeah. Like, and thinking, you know what? Like, our 
there's a flip side to this, which is kind of stoic, I guess, which is it's not that impressive of an idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we came up with this business model and it took us a while. I mean, people can listen to, we did multiple podcast episodes where we were right. talking to experts and we we're, you know, really thinking hard about it. Yeah, we we initially launched our early access stuff with something entirely different. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, went through a process to discover the the yeah. model we have. But, but there was there was probably, I mean, we didn't base it on a competitor, but we probably based it on another service we've used in the past, something different, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, Mailchimp uses this yeah. philosophy. Yeah, you can have I mean, multiple mailing lists. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't we didn't come up with it. I mean, it's just we. I guess we you know quote unquote stole it from someone else too, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Or, but nobody has ownership over that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that that has made the internet so great. Is that? Well, I mean, not just the internet, but uh, the fact that can't really have ownership over an idea necessarily. You can have ownership over the result of that idea, which is probably the intellectual property, which is the code and the assets and logos and artwork and stuff like that. But the actual idea, I don't think you can really copyright that. Yes. Yeah. The There's so much to unpack here. There's many parts of our society that are built around this concept of idea ownership, patents, copyright, etc. Right. So there's this 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 ideal has been implemented. You know, somebody comes up with a concept, a plan, and they can draw it on a piece of paper and take it to a patent office and then say, I own this. And then we've extended it to things like I own this UI pattern. This UI pattern of a one-click checkout, I own that. My name is Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. and I own that. Right. And on the other hand, as you've just noted, this is antithetical to the idea of the internet, which is no 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 no. We we build on what's come before. We remix what's already happened. We take this UI pattern and we all apply it and then the web gets better. Mm-hmm. If we hadn't done this, if there hadn't been this sharing of ideas and patterns and source code, you keep going here, then <laughs> we wouldn't be where we're at now. If Xerox had said the idea for you know, the GUI with the mouse and icons was only theirs and they weren't going to share that with anybody. Well, we would have, like, nothing, like the Mac wouldn't exist, Windows wouldn't exist, iOS wouldn't exist. Those principles just became part of the the common language. What's what's your takeaway from this, that we shouldn't, just shouldn't worry about competition, shouldn't really... It's interesting that you and I are in alignment about this. And I'm sure actually folks will be able to find some some more examples of where you and I have not not been in favor of this. I mean, part of this comes from from the, the fact that discovery is difficult. And if you're out, you know, you're out surfing and you find the perfect surf spot and the waves are just mint... 
And you on obviously you want that whole area to yourself. And if somebody discovers it and ruins it, you know, they they post it on Instagram and then everybody comes. Yeah, there's this feeling of, oh, well, I discovered that spot and now it's been ruined. Mm-hmm. And I, I can I can identify with that. Um the internet and technology is a little bit different also because there's not just one surf spot where it's it's there's no uh ideas and the sharing of ideas and putting ideas into the common language like lean startup you know eric reese wrote that book but eventually the ideas in that book will become so a part of the common language that uh to the point where it just becomes common ownership it's not you you can only hold on to new ideas for so long and say this is mine and mine alone eventually right you have to share um and uh, if for no other reason then you there's no way that you came to that idea without building on tons of other things in the common language and experience that you're not referencing every single time <laughs> you talk about that <laughs> idea. I think it's good to expose, yes, we all feel this way. Like when someone takes something and deliberately rips it off, there is this feeling of, well, shit, that was, you know, that took me a long time to develop that or to figure that out. But on the other hand, I think we ha- we we almost have to like take ourselves down a few notches and go ideas are ideas and it is always possible and there's a good stack exchange thread on this for uh kind of numerous ways of describing this phenomenon one is railroad time so this is from the stack exchange thread in the history of science this is known as railroad Railroad time, i.e. when the economy has reached a certain state of infrastructure, coal, steel, land available, plus steam engines and demand for transportation, well, now it's rail time. And the idea of building railroads occurs to many people naturally at the same time. Yeah. It's like that for a lot of things, I think. Um, There's a documentary I watched about a company that kind of was a spinoff from Apple in some degree back in the 90s. General Dynamics or something like that? No, what was it called? Uh, General Magic, I think. Okay. There's a documentary about this that came out recently, and they were pretty much coming up with the iPhone way before the iPhone, but it just wasn't technically possible yet. Mm. Right? Like, it, it worked, but it was just so big, and the battery was terrible, and it was just, yeah, it's, the time wasn't right for it, right? So it's not like they... Apple necessarily came up with the idea first. They were the first ones to implement it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because I, I just Googled the phrase, when Steve Jobs came up with the idea, <laughs> and if you look at the results, you know, how did Steve Jobs come up with the idea for the iPhone? It, there's this, there's very much this, this bias in our society towards the heroic theory of invention. Like we love uh-huh. our heroes like Steve Jobs that just came up with the Macintosh, that just came up with the iPhone. 
And it, it doesn't take much digging to go, oh, no, no, no. The, the iPhone had was clearly built on tons of, you know, ideas that had come before it, shared ideas, ideas that were part of the common language. And so to the, also a lot of these ideas were open source. A lot of these ideas were funded by the government. A lot of these ideas were enabled by universities and professors and research, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's no possible way that Steve Jobs could have ever done that without all of the history of humanity that (laughs) that came before. Yeah, right. It's not like he just had a light bulb moment and came up with this fully formed idea Yes, in his head. I mean, it was, there were so many other, I mean, it was built on other technologies and there there were some breakthroughs that I think happened to Apple that made it happen, but it was just the right time to do it. And it was finally technically possible. And there's, again, there's more in this thread, like multiple discovery or simultaneous invention, uh, which is the hypothesis that most scientific discoveries and inventions are made independently and more or less simultaneously by multiple scientists and inventors. And we've seen this, you know, we saw this with the light bulb. We saw this with uh, a lot, uh, like the power, like uh, Tesla versus, uh, you know, AC versus DC. There's, there's, similar ideas that kind of erupt at the same time. You know, for me, because I love ideas. I Ideas to me are what get me out of bed. I just love discovering something new. But it, it, when I'm discovering something new, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm the first person to ever discover this. No, I'm I'm just fascinated by the observation. And I think you know, when we talk about ideas, ideas are really, they're, they're much less discoveries, like novel discoveries, and more just observations that we are now discovering for the first time. It's not that they right. may have never been discovered before, but, you know, you and I are looking at pricing models. And we tried that one and, you know, we're talking to different people and, and eventually we're like, oh, wait a minute. MailChimp does it this way here's an idea. Why don't we apply that to podcasting? And the the idea is not, (laughs) it's not that, you know, this is this perfect, novel, unique, never before uttered idea. No, it's just a interesting observation that we can then kind of uh, apply. Yeah, synchronicity is another way of describing this. Collective consciousness is another way of describing this. Uh-huh. Uh, and I I just see this trope so much in tech and in design and in art, this idea that only one person could have ever reasonably had that idea for that joke or that piece of art or that piece of tech or that business or whatever. And it's, it's just not... Uh, rational if we think about it. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Right. Now, clearly there's things that you are direct ripoffs. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's obvious plagiarism. There are obvious direct ripoffs. There are just straight up copies there's the the nonsense that amazon has been doing which is like using competitor data mm-hmm. to figure out which products to knock off yeah and make their themselves which is just sketchy like 
I don't know if that's illegal, but it's like kind of a dick. Move. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe part of this has to do with power, right? Right. Folks with power can observe good ideas and, um, they've got the leverage to execute that on them at a very high level. And that strikes yeah. folks as unfair. And it probably is. Although in that case, I would say, let's deal with the underlying issue there, which is power and too much leverage, mm -hmm. as opposed to let's try to control who gets ownership of ideas more. Because if we, if we try to implement the system, the big companies are going to win every time because, it, it, you know, invariably it's just about lawyers. Right. And so, and economies of scale. And yeah, it's just, yeah, they don't need branding, to necessarily marketing make budgets, yeah. all this stuff. And like, folks, if, if we're all using the same mapping library, and this is true in podcasting, lots of folks use the same, uh, like map, uh, plugin or what, what do we, what is that mapping thing we use to show geographic um, area? That's just a Google chart. Yes. Yeah. So, Lots of folks use that. And we we don't have the right of complaining. And it's very possible that other competitors saw that we were using that library and said, oh, we're going to use that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I, I have 100% for sure seen some sort of JavaScript library or something somewhere that I liked and just looked at the source code and said, oh, I'd like to use this too. It's open source. There's nothing stopping me from using it. Exactly. So um, that's the, one of the great parts about the web and the internet. I mean, that's how I learned how to build websites. Yeah. And I, I think the, the other issue that folks have, which is, so I think one reason we do this is for ego. Like we want to be known as the person who invented something or did something first or has ownership over this thing. Uh, but along with that, I think, you know, folks that are really fighting for, you know, like holding on to this, like for years, podcasting had this troll who was always, who, who said they owned the idea of distributed audio. Mm. And it's, it's insecurity, right? This person just could not let go of the idea that no, they invented this. And eventually, like the, the electronic foundier found foundation, Freedom Foundation, what is it, EFF? They, mm -hmm. you know, they fought this person in court for years and finally won a judgment against them to say, no, 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 you do not own this. This is just a, this is just a common thing. And uh, there's a lot, often I think there's some insecurity there where you feel threatened or your ego feels threatened, or you feel threatened financially, and you're like, okay, I've got to push back. I've got to hold on to this as hard as I can. This is mine. Mm -hmm. And that kind of fear, being driven by that kind of fear and insecurity, is it, it's, it's just there's no good end to it because you're not going to win. <laughs> like if, if, if you, even yeah. if you... There's no winner in that. There's no winner in that situation. Well, even if you had truly figured out an amazing idea all on your own, uh, independent of all the years of human history and learning before you. Like you, you, you got struck by a lightning bolt and just came up with something that had never, ever been 
you know, conceptualized before or the building blocks up to that point had never been built, even if that was true, if it's a good idea, people are going to want to share in it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just nothing you can do to stop it. it that would be like Einstein saying, no, like E equals MC squared. That's mine. Like nobody else gets to yeah. gets to, <laughs> anyone who uses that to discover anything else owes me royalties. That's right. <laughs> or at the very least, you have to always invoke my name every time you say it. You know, E equals MC squared TM Einstein Incorporated. Yeah, yeah. Einstein's E equals MC squared. Yeah, you're going to lose. Even if we if we as a society decided to say this is something that we think. Um, should be a new law. Like, okay, you're right. You know what? Every novel idea you have is yours completely on your own. It would be so difficult in our world, unless we just, we became an authoritarian state to, to, to impose that, right? Like as long as we, we live in a relatively free society and again, I think historians would tell us we just, humans would have never evolved to our current state unless we could build on the knowledge and learnings and ideas and concepts and technologies of the people who came before us. I, I just don't see how people can win by holding on to these things um, and saying, no, 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 that was my idea. I was the first one. It's like, okay, even if you were, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, pat yourself on the back and then move on and work with whoever is using that idea i don't like exactly the the openness to i mean and this is happening in the the jobs to be done community that community has been torn apart because there's this idea of you know people don't just buy products they hire products to do jobs in their lives like that that's just an interesting concept and it's it's something that a lot of people want to explore but now there's that community has been fractured into three camps who all hate each other. And all they do all day on Twitter is, is troll each other and, and say that their idea is the best and they were the first ones to come up with it. And the other person is wrong. And, you know, when people, I have a few posts about jobs to be done on my, on my blog. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people come to me and go, Oh man, I was really interested in that concept. But when I started doing more digging, that community is so toxic. I just, I don't even want to be a part of it. And so we have this great idea that should just be part of the discourse, that should just be something that we're all thinking about and talking about and uh, evolving. But instead, everybody's arguing about who got it first and who got it right. And it's it's just dumb. Less less arguing, more hugging. More, more yeah. hugging, yeah, more hugging. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe not now. You got to stay six That's people, right. But eventually, more hugging. That's right. Well, and and... I do understand that the idea of operating out of fear and operating out of, um, uh, I hate this term, but what do you call that? That um, There's a growth mindset and a scarcity mindset. I, there's part of that, those ideas that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Hmm. But ideas is one place where we should not have a scarcity mindset. Again, yeah, I think sometimes when folks th- feel threatened, like if you're a brand new bootstrapper and you're building something, and then you feel like Amazon copied it, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. It, it'll, that would hurt, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
And that's part of competition, and that's what makes it difficult. It's maybe one reason why folks should consider not being an open startup (laughs) 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 is that if you're sharing everything, then it it just makes it more likely that people are going to copy it or build on what you just discovered. And, you know, maybe that was a mistake of ours. Maybe to, to close this off, John, let's talk a little bit about how people should respond. I, I wrote down three things, and it'd be interesting to hear what you think about them. Yeah. Uh, the, the, let's actually start with that, that first one, continued product improvement. So, you know, take us, somebody takes our business model, or we think they did, who knows. Uh, yeah. We're threatened. Uh, they are a good competitor. Like they, they, uh-huh. they have all sorts of ties to the podcasting industry. They are, they're, they're a good competitor. They get mentioned all the time when people say we're comparing you and this other com- company. So how do we respond? Right. We should focus on our own product and make it as good as we can. I mean, I, it, it seems like, you know, if they did, if they were to copy us, they probably would have copied us at a certain point in time mm-hmm. and then went on their own way, mm-hmm. right? As they start developing new features that are maybe different than ours or something new and revolutionary entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also going to do the same thing. So at the time they quote unquote copy us, uh, we would have also been working on new things and we would release those and then you know, they might say, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Now we got to play catch up and build something similar. And um, I think that's how competition works. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And all we can do that's within our control is to go, okay, well, we don't have to be the most novel. We just have to show our customers continuous improvement in vectors that our customers care about. Like that's within our control. Right. And, um, and so for us, it's just, and, and we've also made decisions about what kind of business we want to run. We don't want to have 10, 20 people on staff. Right now, mm-hmm. all of the development pretty much happens with you. <laughs> and so we have decisions every day. You know, it could be Justin does more in the app and creates more pull requests, or we hire somebody to work on this project, or we hire five developers. You know, there's all sorts of, Decisions we get to make every day, and um, but I think the 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 thing that's still driving us forward, regardless of which path we choose, is let's just continue to improve the product in vectors that our customers care about to the best of our ability, and really, that's all you can do. And I think there's some additional things here. One one point I didn't write, which I'll write for the show notes, is just focus on lasting the longest. So you have a competitor that copies you. Uh, as Jason Fried has pointed out, they often don't know the reason behind the decision you made. And so they can't capture all of the intrinsic kind of magic in that decision they're, they're they're just kind of they're making a photocopy of it, but the 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 fine grained details and all of the reasons you got to that point are lost on them, and so yeah. just let them do it, and you just focus on improving the product and lasting as long as you can. 
Yeah, I mean, unless unless that competitor somehow steals away ninety percent of your audience, like it seems like it shouldn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're still doing well and you're doing fine, like kind of like who cares mm-hmm. to some extent? Yes, yes. Now I'm not saying comp- competition doesn't matter. Uh, I think it does matter. There there is a limited pie in podcasting, you know, right? Like even right. if a hundred thousand new shows got added last month. There's only a hundred thousand shows that got really that, that got started last right. month. Yeah. So who got those shows? And if ninety thousand went to anchor, well, I guess I got to decide. You know, do we want those customers, etc. But there is a, and then there's ten thousand left that we're all fighting over with our, like, this is a battle. It is competition. There's not an unlimited supply of customers. Right. So. What else can you do? Well, you can last longer. I think another thing you can do is your brand matters. So many people come to us and they just say, I just like you and I like John and Justin. I like the way you run your company. I Mm -hmm. heard an interview that you were on, John, and I like your philosophy for developing products. I, Justin, I read something you wrote and it really resonated with me. Um, I just, I like the way that Transistor portrays itself yeah if they have yeah if they have some some sort of connection to that to us or to someone else they know that used it or the brand itself um yeah they're gonna that's a huge benefit you know if you think about this like our brand our audience is something that's really hard for people to copy if someone Mm -hmm. one because a lot of our brand and our connection to our audience is, you know, you and I forming direct connections with people. And <laughs> that's a lifetime of work that's gone into that. That's a lifetime of history. That's, you know, John growing up in a suburb of Detroit and then moving to Chicago and then meeting all these people. And like, there's there's so much in our experience and our connections and that... Yeah. And you missed you missed about ten years in there too, so it's a lot more than that. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, we get to write each other's biographies, John. Yeah, right. <laughs> John Buddha by Justin Jackson. Yeah, he grew up in a suburb of Detroit, moved to Chicago, met a bunch of people, and then uh, oh, then yeah. he met me, and that's where things really. <laughs> John's like, wait a yeah, it's about that's about wait that's a about second. Huh? Um, so yeah, your 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 brand, your audience, those are things you can develop, and they matter. And people get angry at uh, thirty seven signals Basecamp all the time. You know, and, uh, people get upset at. Oh, for example, here's a good example. Jason Fried was showing me something in this thing he's working on, and I was like. I was like, <laughs> he had a label, and I'm like, Jason, people are going to mention that. Like, there's going to be a lot of cynical response to that decision. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and he, it's not like he loves it because he just wants the attention. He loves it because that's part of their brand. That's part of the, their audience expects them yeah. to it'll, make those decisions. It'll get people talking about it too. So it's exactly smart marketing on their and part. 
and there's a there's a whole other rationale aside aside from attention seeking that went into that decision. I don't think it's just attention seeking. I think there is thought behind it, and it's very difficult for other people to copy that. <laughs> like this, especially right. this one thing I'm thinking of. Like if anybody copies it, it folks will know it is just a direct ripoff of them. <laughs> so. Yeah, your branding, your audience. And then the other thing I thought of, your the fourth kind of way to compete, your best hedge against the competition is customer service. How well do you take care of people? How responsive are you? Uh-huh. So they can copy your, your UI patterns forever. But if you're just more responsive, if you answer people's questions better, if you are friendly, if you are empathetic... If you are go the extra mile, that can engender a lot of support. And, you know, we have customers that really want some features that some of our competitors have, but they're sticking with us because we are, we, we've just gone above and beyond trying to give them the best service possible. Again, like people can copy your UI, they can copy your marketing copy, they can, they can do all these other things, but they can't be you at 9 p.m. on a Friday night still answering some customer support requests. That, that right. You get to decide every single time somebody asks that same question that you've had to answer so many times before, but you can still put a smile on your face and say, you know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this the right way. Or like in our case, we've, we've hired Helen to help us with that. And, mm-hmm. and those are decisions you get to make. Is there any other responses you can think of, or not really? I mean, the only one that actually comes to mind, and it's not necessarily something we've done, but it's maybe like actually reach out to competition and mm. start a friendly dialogue with them. Like, there's no reason that we have to be like enemies with our competitors, mm-hmm. right? And not not the not the saying we are, but we haven't necessarily reached out to like these other. I guess I was implied from introduced ourselves. Yeah. Then, you know. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Cause I think, especially me, like the folks that I think we can mention it, like the folks at Buzzsprout have been really nice to us. <laughs> yeah. But uh-huh. I haven't really reciprocated it. And I think part of it is because I just I don't know. That there is something weird about that one to me. I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to think about that. Because on one hand, yeah, like we can be, we don't have to be enemy. Um, maybe we do. I don't know. I, uh, I think we, let's leave it there, but let's keep, keep it open for our readers, our listeners to respond to this. To me, yeah. it kind of feels like a boss saying, oh yeah, we're all a big part of, we're a big family. And there's always part of that line that made me feel like, well, no, we're not right. We're not a family. And yeah. with competitors, it just feels a little bit disingenuous for me to go, well, <laughs> like, okay, here's a good example. This this guy interviewed me and he was doing it on behalf of an application that was starting in the podcasting space, but wasn't podcast hosting. And so I did this big interview. I was really open and vulnerable and shared a lot of the decisions we made and why we made those decisions. And then three months, six months later, he said, oh, hey, that, that episode that we recorded is out now. 
but by the way, I should tell you, and he asked me to share it. And then he's like, by the way, I should tell you that we've pivoted and now we're in podcast hosting <laughs> <laughs> analytics. Uh, I was like, I hope you don't mind. They just picked they just p- stole all of your, everything all, from your All brain. my insights. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, in that situation, I was like, well, yeah, I very much do mind. Uh, it's, it's yeah. not like, if, I, I wasn't mad at him for starting a competitor because, that's just freedom. Like, yes, you can start if, if there's a Taco Bell and you want to compete and they're doing great business, you can start another taco restaurant next to them and try to grab a piece of that pie. I understand that, but I was friendly to this person before. And I basically said, yeah, I'm not going to be friendly anymore. (laughs) We're, we're, we're no longer friendly. And you're on the, you're on the yeah. blacklist. And Sorry. It's fine. It's not like I, I despise this person. I don't want to see this person like anything bad happen to them. I was just like, okay, well that now it's changed, right? Like now right. you're, we, we really can't be friends. That's just the way it is. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting with, to hear what the listeners yeah. think. Totally. So I'm, I'm looking at our, if we're wrapping things up here. I'm looking at our notes about a deadline for the dashboard redesign I've been yeah, working tomorrow. on. Yeah, tomorrow. Which which is tomorrow. <laughs> we might actually make that. Really? Uh yeah, there's a couple small things I need to finish up. Uh functionally it's totally done. That might actually I don't know if we'll deploy it tomorrow, but it might be done. Awesome. Cuz we still need to we're going to still sort of like let people know it's coming again. We already Send out an email, yeah. I think. Wow, that is that is really exciting. Yeah. You must feel good. I do. I'll feel better when it's out. And wow. I see I, I put that in the show notes because see how people respond. I put that in the show notes because I'm like, okay, we, we need to talk about it, but I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna put it in there and then have John go, oh yeah. like so to hear that you're you feel like pretty confident that we could release it, that is that is Yeah, there's a the only thing I have this checklist of things. The only thing I have left really is how to present HTML tables of data on a mobile view, mm. which is a huge pain in the yeah. ass. Uh, and Tailwind UI has done some of mm-hmm. that work, but it's like you basically just scroll horizontally through a table, which mm-hmm. also not mm-hmm. great. That's just really not a good way to do it, unfortunately. So, so you're 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 um, gonna you're trying to figure out how to. How to take that to the yeah, next level. Some combination of those. I don't know. We'll see. See if I can figure something out. Oh, wow. So that that is a nice update. Um should we yeah. should we say about the other thing or no? Uh no, not yet. Okay. So we'll keep something in the pocket for next next week. John, why don't you <laughs> uh take us out with some Patreon shout outs? Yeah, thanks as always to everyone um for supporting us on Patreon. We have uh Sophia Quintero. Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Pradyumna Schembecker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, my brother Dan Buda. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, 
Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta. and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. I just want to say, uh, Simon Bennett wrote me a really nice note. He had to remove his Patreon support because okay. he is about to go full-time. I think this is public. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll double-check. But yeah, he's he's about to go full-time on Snapshooter. So congrats to to uh, Simon, and we're, we're cheering for you. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.